0: free, Brooklyn, and windowless. This is Patterns of Development. Hey everyone, it's Kyle, and this is Patterns of Development. We're going to take the next five or 10 minutes and think about urban planning, architecture, and real estate development trying to deconstruct what's going on in the world and figure out if there's any patterns, ideas, thoughts that we can apply in our own backyards. Let's jump in with an article from Slate by Henry Grabber. Grabar, Grabber. Titled, Where the Heck Are We Going to Charge All of These Electric Cars? And it raises a good point. Before I get to the article, I want to paint, I think, a relatable scenario for you. Paint a picture. The year is 1992, and you're traveling through an airport. The airport is, of course, a public space, and because of the year, 1992, you don't have a laptop, you don't have a phone. If you need to make a call, you'll stop at the payphone, and you probably, well, you might have a computer at the office, but it's certainly not in your backpack or your carry-on. You get to your gate, you sit down, you might pull out a book, a magazine, a newspaper, maybe, maybe, maybe your CD player. Okay. Okay, so we that's 1992. Okay, so now we come to 2019, and you're traveling through the airport. So now it's 2019, you have a cell phone, you've got a laptop for work, you may even have that personal tablet for some content consumption. You get to your gate, and what's the first thing you look for? Outlets, probably, outlets. Where can I plug my stuff in? And so we get back to the article in Slate. Parking will go the same way as that airport experience. Where can I plug in? Of course, patterns of development include building missing middle housing, or even simpler, increasing density, and reducing parking minimums. So when we do those things, where do we plug our cars in? We have our 1992 airport, our standard way of doing things, and now we have this big change coming our way. 2019, all these people, metaphorically in this story, holding on to these tablets, need all this electricity. Where am I going to plug in? According to the 2019 American Housing Survey, one in three U.S. housing units does not have a garage. It's also well documented that there are estimated to be eight parking spaces for every car in the United States. Uh, that's Donald Shoup. And so we have a mismatch of where I want to put my car. And eventually, wherever I put my car now, I will also need to charge it. And the challenge, some say, is that we will need to bring charging to the curb. Have a parking meter that can also charge your car. And now this is to quote Henry Garber's article. The real downside of electrifying the curb in densely populated neighborhoods becomes clear. It would cement the purpose of the curb for car storage, For decades to come, just as activists are beginning to convince cities to explore alternate uses, including bike lanes, bus lanes, greenways, public space, and restaurant terraces. This is Kyle again. I talked about this back in my Doors Cars expansion episode. Electric cars are still cars, and the dominant transportation technology always ends up shaping our built environments. So maybe when we consider the challenge with electric cars, we must also remember that they're still cars, and maybe there's a different way to solve the more first-principled problem here, which is we've got sprawl, and we just need cars to get around. Ah, but not so fast. In a blog post by Chris Winters, he reviews data from the U.S. Census Bureau's 2015-2019 American Community Survey and documents where the largest concentration of households are living without cars. According to the article, 8.7% of American families are living without cars. Out of the 74,002 tracks in the united states broken down by the census 351 had 75 percent or more households that were car free there's probably no surprises here manhattan held 163 brooklyn 47 bronx 68 queens 6 staten island 1 Uh, so new york is covered san francisco boston baltimore philadelphia washington dc chicago and la had miscellaneous tracks throughout but new york certainly held the majority so that's where we find 75% of households car-free. Maybe we say that's above average or exemplary. What about between 50 and 75%, maybe more uh, lower lower density, uh, less car use? This is where we start to see older cities make the cut. Chicago, Philly, Be more New Orleans, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, even Detroit makes the list here, which leads me to think Maybe that's because people just can't afford automobiles? Which, actually, Chris Winters starts to discuss this, and I'm going to quote Chris now in his article. Since most U.S. cities, unlike, say, New York, do not have much in the way of dense, high-prestige neighborhoods, the majority of relatively car-free tracks in smaller cities and in those of the Sun Belt are located in less well-off areas. But population density still appears to be a critical factor in determining their geography, the locations of the tracks. Dense, high prestigious areas like Oakland in Pittsburgh, central west end of St. Louis, South Beach in Miami, and the French Quarter in New Orleans are nearly car-free as their less privileged neighbors. This is Kyle. This leads to our development pattern. When people have multiple options to get around, they usually don't pick a car. When you start to add density, density is the parent pattern here, that first principle pattern. When you start to add density, when you're in New York, you have these options. You could walk, you could take a bike, you can take the subway, you can get an Uber, or you could drive your personal vehicle. And when you have that many choices to get around, it's easy to see how a private vehicle might start to become less important on that list. Okay, so if that's true, why don't we design more places to be car-free? Well, Montreal and Paris are doing just that, but they're not just getting more dense. They're actually just making places where cars just can't operate anymore, and now downtown Brooklyn is making moves as well. An article from Time Out has renderings from the Downtown Brooklyn Partnership and the Public Realm Action Plan that reimagines a bunch of streets and notes, creating a network of shared streets, new public spaces, and more greenery, specifically new trees, raised planters, green walls, and rain gardens. Quoting... The downtown partnership now. The area has been bursting at the seams since 2004 and its rezoning, growing into a mixed-use neighborhood with a population boom, new businesses, and jobs. The streets, as they are now, do not serve those who use it. Pedestrians, cyclists, and mass transit riders. Apparently, according to the partnership, the population increase of the five boroughs has actually tied them with Chicago as the third largest city in the U.S. So they're recognizing that we've got the density. How can we encourage? How can we accelerate? options for pedestrian cyclists and mass transit riders i couldn't leave this week new topic i couldn't leave this week without talking about the trending urban planning topic of the week the windowless dormitory powered by charlie munger money in california he's proposing 4500 units dwelling units most of which don't have windows to serve as a dormitory on campus for the university of california according to the plans i've seen there will be one bathroom per eight bedrooms. And there's a whole different episode here and discussion to be had. Check out some pictures and floor plans in the show notes. I don't think I'd want to be a student staying in that dorm, though. Anyway, that leads to the patterns of the week for this week. Number one, electric cars are still cars. We shouldn't lose sight of the fact that charging electric cars is the same thing as parking more traditional vehicles. It's, it's car storage. How do we store our cars? Number two, density defines Dense spaces typically offer more options for transportation and allow for people to live car-free. And if they don't offer more transportation options, it leads us to number three. More and more cities continue to define car-free zones in an attempt to create and accelerate the trend of supporting additional transportation types. That's all for this week, and I'll talk to you all soon. Please email me, Kyle, at PatternsofDevelopment.com with any feedback, thoughts, questions, topics to cover on future episodes. That'd be awesome. And of course, the big shout-out to Rafi, Everyone who talks to me about this podcast tells me they love the theme. Rafi, thank you. Everyone, please check out his music on Spotify. And with that, let's keep looking for the patterns and building better cities. Talk to you all soon.